JT. JT Faith Radio. Yeah. JT Faith Radio. Hey guys, this is JT Faith Radio, and I'm John. I'm Tyler, and I'm Brad. Hey Brad, <laughs> are you sure you are? Yes, and I'm I'm actually here. Yay! Yay! Yay. He took a week off, and uh, and we all took one off for Thanksgiving, and and so we're here now. But um, and it's, full and whole, yeah, full crew, full crew. So, so we had a couple ideas we were throwing around, and we came across this website called uh, PastorCareInc.com, and they 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 had some some things listed, and it, and it spurred on some conversation between us, and so we thought we'd go ahead and, and and read some of the things that are on here, and throw out different opinions, different questions, different uh, you know questions to the statements, and and different answers for those. So, like the the stuff is is random, but it's all a lot of it's dealing with pastors. Some of it's dealing with churches, but most of it's dealing with pastors. And the first one says seventy two percent of pastors report working between fifty five to seventy five hours a week. The initial response, and 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 I'm going to go ahead and lay it out there. Um, Tyler was like, kind of, eh, but but he, he's like, I don't want to do this and sound like I'm bashing anybody. He just doesn't. He wants you wanted what, Tyler? You wanted a definition. Yeah, I mean, looking at your full-time pastor's um, perspective from your bivocational pastors is where when you get into that, this kind of statement, 70, 72% of pastors report working between 55 and 75 hours per week. My question automatically has to go with working. What is your definition of working my assumption is we're talking about full-time pastors. I would assume. Right. But I can I can I'm not in this category. And and what I'm getting ready to say I'm not in this category. But I have actually heard a preacher say that that he got back from vacation like on Saturday and they wanted him to preach Sunday and he says and I can't. I I need at least 20 hours to do a sermon. Right. I've heard preachers say that. Of course I'm I'm not that way. And to that I would say what? <laughs> <laughs> Ask Madra how many hours she had to prepare for last Sunday. There you go. Right. And and she's not seminary educated. She's not seminary trained. She's been through the exact same. She's not classes. been to CLM, but she's been to the the lay servant and the, right. the lay leadership classes. And, and, you know, you look at any uh, pulpit supply pastor, at least, and it's, it doesn't have to be just the Methodist Church. The Baptist Church has the same setup as far as pulpit supply. So you look at anyone who is a pulpit supply. I mean, they're the substitute teachers of the pulpit. Unless they, they're not treated that bad. They can get a call the night before. You know, pastor's sick. The pastor's, you know, snowed mm-hmm. in and can't, you know, he went to visit family and was supposed to get home tonight, flight canceled, whatever the case may be. Right. 24-hour right. or less heads-up notice to, to fill the pulpit the next day. Um, so for that whole part of the discussion, as far as sermon prep, I, I – but the whole thing goes back – For you, it doesn't back, take 20 no, hours. No, but for the whole – it goes back to – and I'm not saying I don't put 20 hours in, but – it's a lot tougher for me to find the 24 hours when you're counting that 20 hours as your work of the 55. That's my argument. 
if you're counting your sermon prep 20 hours towards your 55 hours of work, try working 55 hours and then adding 20 hours of sermon prep on top of it. Well, and is my that's where I'm at. On. That's why you said you felt like you'd be bashing and that's, full-time that's preachers. Why I didn't want and he to, said he wasn't going to bash anybody. And I'm not, but that's why I didn't want to hit that. Because it's it's all what you consider work. Um, take any salary job out there. Do you consider yourself on the clock when you get out of the bed? Well, no. and, and But well, salary well, employed for – I'm talking about a, a as salary, far as yeah, – yeah. Not clergy. I'm talking about in the secular world. If, you're, if you are salary employed – when you step out of the bed, if you get a phone call while you're getting ready to go to work, you've got to take it because you're salary. Well, yeah, I'm, I was so, a, I was administrative assisted living, right? right. And say in the secular there you world, go. and I was on call twenty four seven, and I'd get a call at two o'clock in the morning, or I'd right. be getting ready for or work two hours after you got home from work, right. whatever the case may be. So, is the pastor full time pastor when he steps out of the bed in the morning? Is he clocking in? If he's not, he should be. Yeah. I mean, okay. Because or she, I mean, or, or, or she, you should and, be working up, waking up in and prayer. Is the, and is the bivocational pastor not doing the same? Yeah. Okay. I mean, you're waking up in prayer. Because see, one thing that gets me on the seventy-two percent too, I will also say is stats that I've read. One out of every th- three nowadays in the United States, one out of every three pastors, so one third, are. Um, or by vocation. We have fewer full-time pastors, or not fewer, but the numbers are getting more evenly distributed between full-time pastorate, and you're seeing more and more bivocational pastors out yeah, there. Yeah, absolutely. what you're seeing. Absolutely. Smaller churches, you're seeing more and more bivocational pastors. So I, I don't know. Now, that could be the 55 to 75 could be bivocation. I, I don't know. Well, I, I was going to ask you, how, how many hours a week do you put into your full-time job? And then how many hours a week do you put into your ministry? Right. Because I bet it's somewhere in that 55-hour that range. To 75. If you combine the two, it's got to be. See, and that's that's what I was looking at a minute ago. And that, that was going to be my recommendation, that these these people, they're not full-time clergy. Right. They're, they're more than likely trying to split themselves between – a full-time job and a and church. church and and it's you got to admit it's a lot of work it is it's a whole mm-hmm. lot of work especially as i like i'm we, we, i'm from memphis i'm i'm right. not used to being this far spread out like it is up here in union right. city <laughs> to where you got to drive two hours to see the people in the hospital right I, and and so i i would argue two hours there two hours back that's two hours worth of work, right? Down there and back, two hours there, two hours. It's four hours worth of work, right? I I did learn math, <laughs> but of this one, I will say this too: seventy-two percent of pastors that report working between fifty-five and seventy-five hours a week. I will say this: if you love what you're doing, you'll never work, work a, a day, day in your life. life. Well, and, and I would agree with that, but but I think when you when you look at, for example, your your full time clergy, and uh, you you look at what they do if you're if you have office hours and all that after your your church mainly cannot meet at the same time you have office hours right your boards your everything they're going to meet afterwards so you've got prep time you've got all of that to take into consideration so i can see where they're where the full-time clergy get up to 55 75 hours is a bad week 
I mean, you've got a lot of stuff going on that week. Well, you take a preschool. Yeah. Preacher's got to be there for the preschool. Right. At least three days a week. Right. So there's a nine-hour day right there. If you're going to pull your regular working hours plus be there for the preschool, you add a church council meeting on the back end of that. Now you're up to a 12-hour day. And then you got to have your PPR committee meeting tomorrow night. That's another 12-hour day. Right. And it, it just builds from there. And that's that's the full-time clergy take right. with a preschool. Or take a full-time clergy that has children that are in school. Now, you wouldn't particularly count that as work, but you're still out of bed and moving around. And the full-time clergy... Yeah, we roll out of bed and we're on call. Right. I, I, and I, I would argue the part-time clergy are as well. We are as well. Um, I agree. But th- there you're, you're going to stack up some long hours. Well, and, and even when I was where Tyler is, and, and I'm, you've been there too, we've always said there's no such thing as part-time clergy. I've always asked for a definition of <laughs> exactly what is that. I, and and the the first church I served, I, I used to ask them, "Let me have office hours," and they said, "Why?" And I said, "Because at least I'll know when I'm off. <laughs> right. When I'm not in the office, I'm off." Well, and I think right. that that kind of leads us into the next one, where eighty four percent of of pastors um, feel they are on call twenty four seven. And Tyler brought up a good question a minute ago. Where's the other sixteen percent? What 16% don't feel like they're on call 24-7 if they're a full-time pastor? And I think... What are they doing? The only the only way that that works is if you're the lead pastor with staff pastors. Oh, and you're working like a phone rotation? Rotation, or you're just the preaching pastor. Yeah. You know, yeah. and everybody else handles the pastoral care. You're not on call 24 hours of that day. You know, I've never been in a situation like that. Um, and I don't know. I don't know how I would handle a situation I, like that. Well, you take Christ United down in Memphis. Um, they they have a a team of pastors mm-hmm. that are responsible for these phone calls. Right. They have what they call staff pastors, visitation right. pastors, preaching pastors. That they, they have a whole staff. So I I, I could see a. a a small percentage, but it would have to be because I, I would like to see the percentage of the churches that are have those kind of staffs. Well, it might be close to sixteen percent. It maybe it, it's very few. Yeah, I would. It's not as many as what we think. I think often we are misled by what we see on TV and, and churches like that, and your mega churches thinking that your average church is like that. Two, three, four thousand people when it's not in the United States. Eighty no. percent of the churches in the United States today are under a hundred people. people. That's right. 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 All right. Speaking of eighty percent, that leads us right into the next question. Yay! Yeah. Eighty percent believe pastoral ministry has negatively affected their families. And the pastor's children do not attend church because of what the church has done to their parents. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's accurate? I'm saddened by that if it's that high of a number. I think there I think there are different situations. Um those who are in pastoral ministry before the family comes along mm-hmm. versus the family, the wife, the child. The second the, career. It 
and now the husband or the wife is called into pastoral ministry that that's your that would to me would be your two different scenarios there yeah, would it not because i think like for example in, that, in where where i sit because my kids were born before i started preaching right they literally and you had, were married before I, well yes well i've only been married once but yeah you were married before you started <laughs> preaching yes <laughs> <laughs> but the um but what what I was going to say about that is is really and truly my kids have not noticed a huge difference between the pre pastor dad and the post pastor dad. Right. Um, now what they the, what they do notice is that you know sometimes I had to be called out to a hospital, but then again when I was the administrator of the sister living, I may have to go cover a shift in the middle of the night. So, right. A lot of that stuff. Now they get to see me work more often Sundays. But but they don't they don't I mean the grace at table the the devotions the prayer life that never changed so for them for them it really hasn't been a big adjustment it's just and they know it's a special job but it's daddy's job well and on some of this type stuff too I don't I'm not big on the generalities it has negatively affected their family. Tell me how. Tell me what you're talking about. How's it negative? You know, that's that's very general. Well, it has to, to be. me. I mean, because because what they're taking is everything from, you know, maybe encroaching on family time to the point where it stresses relationships to the point of of having too high of a standard for being a preacher's kid. Well, I mean, or a spouse, right? I mean, because how many churches have you gone into that the wife is automatically assumed? That they're going to either play the piano, they're right. going to sing specials, they're going to lead Sunday school, they're going to do this, they're going to do that, and that that puts a negative effect on the family because that's stress that doesn't need to be there. Right, but I, w- I would venture a guess to say eighty percent of Americans who hold down a forty-hour week job would say that that job has negatively affected their family life in some way. Well, yeah, but how, how many people holding down a forty-hour a week job, quote unquote, a full-time job, right? Right. 40 hours right how many of those people work between 55 and 75 hours a week well even if they did is what i'm saying that it's not just ministry that can negatively affect the the family it could there's several things that could i just wonder if they if that's what they're referencing though is it more of the we were married we had a child he or she either one was called into ministry and now our life is (laughs) totally different than I, how many preachers wives would say i didn't marry a preacher my right. wife yeah that's <laughs> yeah, what i mean I'm, she, she flat you know. out said that my wife actually did marry a preacher so see you know so it definitely you definitely wouldn't fall into that 80 percent. and and your wife was said it's about time right she <laughs> claimed she knew it when we got married even long before i did so it didn't it hasn't neither has had the negative effect on mine as well in fact, my wife has embraced it. Yeah, you know more, or if anything, that it's part of her ministry too. Yeah, yeah, and, and she has, and 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 my wife, she'll she'll sing, she'll she'll do whatever's asked of her, but it's not, don't expect it, and and that's one of the things that when I walk into a new church, I, I tell them straight up, I'm the one called. My family will figure out where they fit in, just like any other new family who comes into the church. Right. So don't expect it, and but she's never. I mean, she cooks for the church. She, you know, she's a good preacher's wife. She won't. She, she's going to hate that I even said that, but, but, but she is. She's a good preacher's wife. 
Well, we're actually moving into the next one already. Yep. Uh-oh. That's 65% of the pastors feel that their family lives in a glass house, and they fear that they are not good enough to meet the expectations. And that word right there, expectations, when I was active duty, we always used to say, uh, if, if you don't have high expectations, you won't have far to fall. Right. Right. Keep you your go. expectations low, yep. and you won't get your feelings hurt. Um, that one also reminds me of the book that all United Methodist pastors are encouraged to read, um, Living in a, a Fishbowl, Life in a, mm. a Parsonage. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, it's it's a very – you do feel like you're under a magnifying glass all the time. Right. Uh, everybody in the church knows where you live, and half the people that aren't in the church but do live in the city – they also know where you live. <laughs> that's the best Methodist preacher's house uh, or the Episcopal rectory or, or what have you. I was literally followed home one day from the office. Really? And and I tried to explain gently how inappropriate that was, that, yes, this is church property, but it's my home. Right. Yeah. All right. So then next one, 23% of pastors report being distant to their family. I'm glad the number's low. I am too. Yeah. Um, and I think I think that's where, and I can't remember who did the sermon, and and it was a it was a discussion, and it was a wonderful discussion because he took a ruler and he balanced it on his finger, and he said, "This is your life. You've got your family on this side and the church on this side, but what you need to understand is this is in this, and he points to the whole ruler is your ministry, and sometimes we get it out of balance and you need to have that balance between family and church and and you know there are times where i'm like i've just got to pull away because my daughter's got an archery event and i'm going to be out and i've I've been really really blessed with a church that understands my fatherly duties to my family and and so and, and i've never really had a church that hasn't so far so um but so i've been pretty blessed in that way but it, it, it saddens me that 23% of pastors feel like they're distant, but at the same time, I'm glad it's not like 80%. Right. I want to skip down a couple. 28% of pastors report having feelings of guilt for taking personal time off and not telling the church. Oh, not telling the church. That's what it says. We're not telling not the church about the guilt? About the guilt, the oh, guilty okay. feelings. Yeah, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I jerked that hand down real quick <laughs> because – one of the things, for example, if I'm not in a pulpit, I expect to be in a church. You want to talk about guilt. This last vacation I took over Thanksgiving, there was no service on board. I didn't know that I could offer to do one. I know now for the for the next time I go. But but the, uh, but the I felt just absolutely guilty that I didn't go to church. And I took time out of the pulpit and didn't go. And there was a tremendous amount of guilt for that. Let's see here. 35% of the pastors report the demand of the church denies them from spending time with their family. Hmm. I don't don't think I've run into that. How about you guys? I've not run into it at all. 24% of families resent the church and its effect on their family. See, and let me say this, though. Of course, on the bivocational side, for sure, and what you were talking about with the ruler, and it goes for full-time pastors as well, whether it's full-time or bivocation, but definitely on the bivocational side. 
what I feel like is when that call to ministry comes, pastoral ministry, and you're in it, at that point, if you're not willing to rearrange your priorities as far as what used to be your priorities, then that, and you continue to try to keep those priorities along with your pastoral duties, that's where some of these percentages to me would come in with feeling the pull from your family and your pull from this. And I say that priorities wise, meaning you, you like to watch football every Saturday with your buddies. You like to go <laughs> deer hunting every Saturday with, you know, whatever, um, insert fishing, insert golf, insert softball league, whatever you want to insert here that was in your life, in your secular world or whatever, before going into it, where you had the going, extra time. Right. And so when you when you go into that call into ministry, if you're not willing to shuck that stuff in order to replace that time with your family, then that's where you end up in these situations. To me, you, you've you know yeah that's that's probably the downside to some of the the percentages in the pastors as far as the f- feelings with church and and family pool is you're trying to still play golf three days a week pastor a church and have time for your family dude i've got four inches of dust on my golf clubs <laughs> well that's what i'm saying it's you, you've got to you own golf clubs? I do. I used to play before I was a preacher. <laughs> and, and for me, the outdoors is the part of it for me. Yeah, you know, I was a big hunter, and that was a big thing for me. And fishing, fishing mm-hmm. and outdoors, hunting. So for me, that was that, that was the thing is you've really got to step back and reprioritize what you've got going on once you take that step into the pulpit. Well, a great example. So when I first started preaching the year before, I had bought a boat. And was at the lake fishing, picking up a buddy of mine four thirty every morning on Saturday. Right. When we'd hit there and sometimes we would leave that water at seven, eight o'clock at night. I mean, we, we would fish all day long. The year I started preaching, it, it it went from every weekend to every other weekend, and by the end of the summer it was like one maybe two times a month. I, if I could squeak in that second one I would. The third year I sold the boat. Right. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I just wasn't using it enough. Now can can I skip down a few? Fifty three percent of pastors report that the seminary did not prepare them for the ministry. And That's because they didn't go to seminary where I went to seminary. <laughs> well, and I think I think it really does depend if you go to an academic seminary. Vanderbilt. It, like a like a Vanderbilt or Duke. Princeton. Right. Yale. I don't know that they prepare you for the, the the pastorate. They prepare you for the theological task before you. But like the the Asbury's or the Memphis Theologicals, I mean, the Memphis Theological actually does not cater at all to the academic. I'm, I'm more academic. And, and they would always tell me, you know, this is not the place for a theologian. This is the place for a pastor. They teach you theology. They're not skimpy on it. They have some wonderful professors who have some depth of knowledge, but they all take that knowledge and they apply it to the pastorate, and it's and it's a wonderful thing. And, and I, I didn't go to Asbury, so you could speak to that. But well, we literally took a class that's called mentored ministry. There you go. Where you actually go find a church there at the seminary. I, I mean, within reason of miles. And you actually ask the pastor, can I serve under you as a like an intern? 
In fact, we were called interns where I served. And uh, we did hands-on ministry. Uh, unfortunately, one of the first cases that I had, um, it, it was kind of comical. I had to go to court with this family. And as we were walking in, a, a, a lady there in the courtroom came up to me and said, are you their lawyer? I, I had on a suit. I mean, I, I'm, I'm there trying to represent the church. <laughs> And, and I kind of started giggling. I said, that's the first time that's ever happened. <laughs> Usually when I'm in court, I'm the one in trouble. But, uh, I'm, I mean, it was just quite literally we, we read the liturgy. We, we helped. We led Bible studies on Wednesday nights. We helped with the kids. I even taught an English as a second language class. Did you really? Yeah. I able to speak zero Spanish, uh, there's a website. Eric Espada was a friend of mine at seminary, and he preached at a completely uh, Hispanic congregation. And so we would, uh, I, I would help teach the English as a second language class. It was very interesting. Well, you know, that's so one of the things, the next question actually gets into dovetailing with this, that 90% of the pastors said that the ministry was not what they expected, basically. Now, that's what my wife said. <clears throat> oh, really? But that's not what I said. <laughs> <laughs> but for, for me, I, mean, I still look at a lot of these preachers that, that I grew up under that did play golf, did go fishing, did woodwork, and all these other things. I've got a project list that's three years old because I can't kept up, keep up with it. And... And it's maybe it's the fact that I'm too busy in church. Maybe it's the fact that I don't do time management well. Maybe it's well, I don't know what it is, but it wasn't the freeing of the schedule that I thought. Particularly when we finished seminary, and I said I've got thirty extra, extra hours. hours that I am going to be able to do all kinds of stuff. And in the very first week out of seminary, I'm going. Where did the time go? Well, see, I think maybe what that is, and and for someone like you, which I. I, I'm I'm not exactly clear on exactly where you went to church, but if you've come out of one of these gigantic churches that has five pastors on staff, and and the pastors are rotating different duties every week, mm -hmm. then then like this particular preacher that's going to be the preaching preacher this week doesn't have to worry about doing visitations. He doesn't have to worry about prepping for communion. I doesn't have to. I, there's this whole laundry list that we have to go through every week, right? Because we are the preaching pastor, we are the visiting pastor, we are the we have to prepare for communion. The, like you said, there's just a laundry list of things that get left undone because of the priority that we put on church, right? Right. And so I wonder how many of those people are saying that. The, the pastorate isn't what they expected because they grew up in one of those huge churches. So how long do you guys spend in preaching or sermon prep? I saw that one. Where's it at? I've lost top, it very top. Okay, 45% of pastors spend 10 to 15 hours a week on sermon prep. So I'm wondering where the other 55% are. Are they more or less? Yes. True. <laughs> I. I'm I'm always in sermon prayer. That's what I was going to say. I'm awake I, I, sixteen hours I, a day. Right, and and you you may say something. Um, I have a high art. 
I, I hurt with, <laughs> I, and and I mean, I I may use that quote one day in a sermon. Yeah, right. Uh, um, That'll preach. Exactly. Yeah. Bad times make strong men. Strong men make good times. Good times make weak men. Weak men make bad times. Oh wow! Bad times make strong Some men. Sick of I, right. And and I may use that in a, in a a sermon one day. I may use some of these statistics, <laughs> but you know they say ninety-eight percent of the statistics are just made up on the spot. Yeah. <laughs> true, but uh, you know one of the things that I think about is is you know what what we were taught and and early on in with Tyler when we were talking about it was the being able to see the world homiletically, and when you do that, you're in se- sermon prep twenty-four-seven. Right um, now, dealing with the sermon that's coming up on this particular Sunday, you know. I read my scripture on Monday, get a couple ideas down. By Wednesday, I've at least got the topic. You know, I'm, 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 I've been mulling it over, looking at my sources, you know, maybe read a couple different versions, translations. I don't write my sermon until Saturday. I, and when you write a sermon, do you just sit down and write bullet points? Yes. I, see, the, the days of me having a 15-page text when I go to the pulpit are long gone. We we were talking about right. that earlier. I the Quito, the my first church, literally came up to me and said, Preacher, we liked you a lot better before you went to seminary. We were out of here by twelve <laughs> o'clock. Right. I, and and so it's that there is always I and J. Ellsworth Callis used to say that no preacher is complete or no sermon is complete till you preach it. Right, right, and I always say, like on Sunday mornings, which uh, I serve two churches, as both of you do as well, sermon at the first church, and then the sermon at the second church. But the best sermon I give is the third one that I give on the way home in the car when I, <laughs> when I'm going over it again in my head. And you said, "Man, I should have said this. I should have said that. I yeah, could have yeah. said this. Yeah, uh, yeah. I would have said this. Should have, would have, could have. Yeah, yeah should have, would have, could have. But so it's." It, it, 10 hours, 10 to 15 hours, so you're talking about if you look at a Monday through Friday, you're looking at two hours a day. I I would say I would at least double that. And, and you know, what's interesting is, is so, like, you were talking about me writing bullet points. Come January, I won't even do that because my bullet points are on the screen. Right, 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 right. right. Yeah, so, so it's just going to be me and my clicker walking in front of the church. <laughs> so um, I saw something. Where was that uh, that was interesting? Fifty-two percent of pastors feel overworked and cannot meet their church's unrealistic expectations. First and foremost, I'm going to say I've only been in one church that even had anything close to unrealistic, because they wanted me to be the chief cook and bottle washer. Well, yeah. Now, were these expectations of your PPR or each individual congregant? No, the matriarch. Well, <laughs> it's a good 50 split, though, the, at least. It, I mean, 52%. So we're a good 50-50, yeah, at but, least on that. But, well, that, so there, there is do. another poll, and, and I, I don't remember who wrote the book. One of my current church members has a copy of the book. It They they literally, like the, did I, the dude I, we were talking about mentored ministry a while ago, mm-hmm. the guy that I did mentored ministry under, his church's number one complaint when he was – my age when he was the associate was he's not in his office enough and their number two complaint was he doesn't do enough visitation yeah you can do both 
That's right. unrealistic. They, they are mutually exclusive. So r- right now, and, and like I said, the book I cannot remember the title of, if if you added up all of the congregants' expectations with with legitimate man hours behind them, it would take like 160 hours a week to meet everybody's expectations. Right. And to me, this this is I, I love the Methodist Church. Um, the we, we have a council for everything, <laughs> yeah. I, and sometimes that gets to be a really grueling, right, right, dragging on process. But the PPR and the fact that the PPR can sit down and we can have a legitimate conversation. You've got the preacher with nine other people in the room, and they say what they expect of the pastor right and and that's sort of and 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 as long as they have your back right and as long as they understand that i'm trying to do what they want me to do most of the time they will have your back but you're right there are those few that won't well, and, and one of the great quotes uh and, and i don't know what where it comes from uh, dr cook has used it in some classes that i've been in with him speaking of pastor expectations is that if you look back over the course of if you go back decades and so you go to the 60s preacher the expectation was for the 60s preacher the thought in the right. mind of the 60s preacher is the one who's who's out with the people who's fighting every social injustice that comes up and he's he's there right, in the right. 60s and he's doing that then you got your 70s preacher who's sitting in an office and he's this philosopher and he's this theologian and he's studying and reading and then this thought of this 80s preacher who is popping uh, locking or whatever yeah you know and so on and so forth into the 90s preacher and then the preacher of the 2000s and the situation you run into when you step foot in a church in america anywhere pretty much is you have people in the pews who Grew up yeah. with each one of those decades, so so you've got different each. You've got so many different ones that expect you to be all of that, right? But like for example, where I was talking about, we started a movie night, and if I wasn't there to run the equipment, we wouldn't have movie night. I'm like going, I need a Saturday off every once in a while. But eventually, they they right. they they came in and learned the equipment, and they did it, but. But you know it can be that way. But these were some fun, some fun things um, to to kind of like talk about it. it. It spurred on some conversation with us, and I'm hoping it spurs on some conversation with you all out there. Um, so this has been JT Faith Radio. I'm John. I'm Tyler, and I'm Brad. God bless and have a good day. Thank you for listening to JT Faith Radio. Come visit us at jtfaith.com. <laughs>